Frank Lampard is one of the best midfielders of the Premier League era. He scored goals and won trophies aplenty. But the jury's out on his managerial credentials. He failed to get Derby promoted, his tenure at his beloved Chelsea fell apart, and now he has to drag Everton clear of the relegation dogfight. The next few months might tell us if Vitor Pereira might have been a better bet all along. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only better. No doubting the credentials of betting expert Mark O'Hare. Uh, Mark, Frank Lampard talks a good game, has immense experience as a player in this league. But he has taken on two huge clubs very early in his coaching career. Uh, yes, he has. And uh, I agree. I think the jury is definitely still out. And I have to admit, I was pretty underwhelmed by the appointment of Everton or Frank Lampard to Everton, I should say. Um, is he the one to sort of drag them clear of, of relegation? I'm not sure, to be honest. And I didn't really appreciate the severity of Everton's situation um, until after the Newcastle game, really midweek, when... Uh, hindsight that was a massive massive match for the Toffees and having lost it they're now just what two three points above the drop zone so I know they've got a game in hand but to be brutal about it they're in a relegation fight and I'm not sure he's the right kind of coach to lead them out of it um you know it's quite shocking how bad they've been for quite some time now you have to go back to September and their record in the Premier League is just one win three draws and 11 defeats they are the worst performing team since the start of October 13 goals scored 31 against uh, I watched a game of interest um, against Newcastle, interested to see what system he set up and how Everton sort of reacted to him. But they were dreadful. Um, I think they accumulated an XG of around 0.66, 0.7 against one of the worst defences in the division. When you watched with your eye test, um, you, you could, couldn't really see a huge amount of, of promise in the final third. And defensively, they were all over the shop. Uh, allowed 16 shots from inside the penalty area, um, gave away three what was described as big chances by the analytics committee and then um, hit the woodwork twice as well, Newcastle did too. So the defeat was no fluke for Everton and Lampard talks about a lack of confidence in the squad and he has to build that up. I know things were disrupted with the loss of Damari Gray and Yerry Mina, but still, you know, it feels like there's a lot of square pegs and round holes that round holes there, particularly with the signings of Deli Alley and, and Donny van der Beek as well, how they're going to fit in. Uh, I think Decore's um, presence has been missed in that midfield massively and also the conundrum of Calvert-Lewin. You know, is he fit? Is he not? How does he fit back in? Um, he was on the bench against Newcastle. Will he be available this weekend? We don't know, but yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a predicament for Everton right now and they've slowly sort of slept, slept their way into a, a real sort of dogfight now. Well, the data doctor is in. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal has all of the XG at his cybernetic fingertips. Jake, uh, what can we learn from Lampard's time at Chelsea that might give us clues about how he'll do at Everton? Because Mark's absolutely right. They were trying to play out from the back against Newcastle, falling into pressing traps all the time. And he was criticised, Lampard, at Stamford Bridge for being quite naive in terms of the defensive structure. And I wonder if we're here again. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that extends to Derby as well, because in both his managerial spells at Derby and Chelsea, he was blessed with some really good attacking talent. And you could say the same to some extent at Everton, you know, the likes of Richarlison, Damari Gray, Carvalhoon, etc. They've got some really good young players, attacking players. But he's never been in this situation before where he's taken over a team that defensively were hopeless before him under a manager that really is well-renowned as being a solid defensive coach. So... 
The fact that he, even Rafa Benitez couldn't tighten things up at Everton. Lampard coming in, it, it's only going to add fuel to that defensive fire, in my opinion, because Lampard only knows one way of playing, which is attacking for, for football. And, and, you know, it's excellent to watch for the neutral. I think they play two games under Lampard now, 4-1 and 3-1. There's going to be goals in a lot of Everton's matches. And, and to be honest, I do think that that's, given the squad that he's got, that's probably the best way to go about things because... Winning games 1-0, they're not going to do that very often. The only way that you know, I see them winning te- winning matches is by score outscoring their opponents because their strength is in attack. Um, the issue you've got is is that are they going to be able to do that enough over the, from now to the end of the season? And you know, on the exchange currently, Everton around 5.8 um, to be backed for relegation, which I think does look a little bit big. It is definitely backable at that price, um, especially given the game they've got the weekend against Leeds, who are just... I think they're a place above them. If they lose that, then all of a sudden they are really cut adrift from that sort of pack that they've been looking to drag back into it and it does become a five-horse race. Um, but yeah, in general, I was very surprised with the appointment. I thought that they needed someone, in the interim anyway, someone to come in and really tighten things up and stop them leaking goals and chances because, like Mark said, the record since September has been horrendous. The underlying figures have been really, really bad at both ends of the pitch. Um, so he's got a massive task on his hands and... Like you said there, Vito Pereira, like he surely has got a much better resume um, to be able to come in and, and take this job. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, the, the owner there just decided to put almost a Twitter poll. Who do you want as your next manager? And the fans obviously wanted Lampard. So, um, yeah, it's a strange situation. It's a strange way to run a football club, I feel. Um, and, you know, as I've said, he, he has got a good squad there. There's a good squad available. He, has, he had a good squad available at Chelsea and at Derby. And you could argue he underachieved in all or in both of his previous managerial stints. So it'd be interesting to see. But I am very, very worried about them over the long term because the way in which he plays isn't suited to relegation battle. I think by Moshiri's standards, uh, Twitter poll's probably a bit too scientific and thought out, to be honest. Um, after a successful loan spell, we've made trader Emmett O'Keefe's move permanent. Everton up against Leeds this Saturday, Emmett. Uh, I commentated on Leeds' 3-3 draw at Villa on Wednesday. There's no team quite like Marcelo Bielsa's side, is there? Absolutely. I think that's kind of... that's the, To me, this that's kind of the interesting thing about this game. You've won team Everton who are kind of a a team of kind of disjointed spare parts. And I think on paper, Everton are more talented, talented squad inside than Leeds. But Leeds, Leeds are together. They have a coherent system and they have a pretty solid attack. I think like in terms of the match results, like I think you'd be a very brave man to be backing Everton around six to five here. I think Leeds look a little bit of value on the draw no bet. But the bet I really like here is over three and a half goals. I think both these sides are terrible defensively. Over We've seen over 3.5 goals click in seven of Leeds' last nine games and three of Everton's last four matches. So I think anywhere around seven to four and over three and a half goals I like. And just, just to echo uh, Jake's point about Lampard's time at Derby, it is worth remembering like he had Mason Mount, who's one of the best attacking midfielders in England, and Fikeo Tomori, who's one of the best centre-halves in Serie A in that team. And they still only managed to scrape into the playoffs. So I think I think that's that, that spell at Derby. I don't think ages that well either. Yeah, Mark, it's an interesting one, this, isn't it? Because... Leeds look poor defensively in terms of the numbers and what have you, but a lot of it is down to the fact that it's not poor defending individually. Bielsa just plays such a mad system with and without the ball. This kind of, I mean, Diego Llorente, for example, covered so much ground against Villa because they've got this man-marking system. He's getting dragged all over the place. It's just the way Bielsa plays. You just kind of have to accept it, don't you? 
You do, yeah. And, um, you know, he was getting criticised earlier in the season when Leeds' form was, wasn't so great and Leeds were struggling down towards the, the bottom end of the table. No one was really sort of taking into account the, the long list of injuries and he was fielding basically youngsters in that team and they didn't look any different in how they went about their business. Everyone's so well drilled in that system and knows what they're required to do and expected to do. But actually, since mid-October, Leeds' form has been reasonable. Four wins, four draws, five defeats. That's not too bad. And actually, if you take out their results of the top seven, their results so far, they've only lost twice, four wins and seven draws. So I agree, I think they're more than capable of going to Goodison Park and getting something. Um, consider that they're still without Bamford, Phillips and, and Cooper. So effectively the spine of the side and the way in which they went about their business, not just Aston Villa uh, midweek, but also away at West Ham recently before the international break. And also when they played Newcastle, they didn't get their, their desserts against Newcastle, but they certainly deserve something from that match. Um, I absolutely believe they can go to Goodison and, and get something. Uh, what I would say for Everton, I guess from a slight positive note, is the fact that they do tend to do produce their best work at home. I think they've scored at least twice in six of their eight home games when you exclude the top four. But um, yeah, even under Rafa Benitez, they weren't keeping clean sheets yeah, consistently either. So I think you marry the two up and I think there's uh, it's got goals all over this match. So uh, since promotion, Leeds have scored in 23 of 30 away Premier League games. They've scored away in eight of 11 so far this season. And of those 30 games away from home since promotion, 20 have featured over two and a half goals. So I combined it over two and a half and BTTS on the bet builder at 1.8. I think that's absolutely fair enough. Um, Everton likely to be without Mina, Godfrey and Decore again, which obviously robs them of, of key players defensively. Uh, we know they're giving up plenty of opportunities as well, but going forward, uh, expect Calvert-Lewin to be involved in some way and Richarlison as well. So uh, my model is expecting 3.15 goals in this match and I, I couldn't really disagree. So uh, I think the exchange is offering over two and a half goals at 1.73, which is backable really, but um, I'm just taking the bigger price considering I think both teams will score in this match. And worth bearing in mind, if you do go for a multiple, our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Jake, is that the way you would go? Yeah, I've got the exact same bet written down as Mark, but I had added an extra leg in the bet builder. Um, I do think that the price, I think we, we all agree that Everton's price is just too short this weekend. And as a result, Leads or the draw in the double chance market looks like a, a you know a really sensible bet. So I've thrown that in the bet builder with both teams to score and over two and a half, and that comes out at around 23 to 10, 3.29. Um, yeah, for all the reasons we mentioned above, it's going to be a high scoring game. Everton are going to play wide open football, which suits Leeds down to the ground, uh, really. And, you know, Leeds' last four away games have seen six, five, seven, and five goals. Obviously, the seven came at the Etihad with no response. Uh, but both teams to score and overs landed in three of those, and it's one in six of 11 away games for Leeds. Um, and yeah, as we've already spoken about, Everton were really poor in midweek. They conceded over three expected goals to Newcastle, um, and Newcastle hadn't generated over 2.6 at, at all this season. Uh, and the last time they racked up over three expected goals, I think it came the four games towards the end of last season away at Leicester. So it's not something that happens very often for Newcastle. It just kind of shows you how poor Everton were defensively. Uh, and that'll be very much the case here. It's going to be wide open. Both teams, I, I won't be surprised to see a 3-3 draw like we did in midweek because I do think that both teams will just be going hammer and tong. Um, but I would be very surprised if Leeds went to Goodison Park and actually lost this game. So both teams score over two and a half, Leeds or the draw. 
all happening. Should be a very exciting game. You know it's going to be nil-nil now. But don't <laughs> tell those guys that. But it is going to be nil-nil. Now, let's check in with the champions and league leaders, Manchester City. They slowly but surely deprived Brentford of football oxygen in that 2-0 min. 2-0 win in midweek. They visit Norwich on Saturday. Mark, this is a big mis- mismatch, isn't it? Despite Norwich's recent improvement, there is something extraordinarily impressive about Manchester City and the way they approach games and the way they totally control games. But it is a bit dull sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it can be. And, you know, this isn't a game for me to be sort of tuning into on Saturday evening. Um, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a bet involved. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a mismatch, this. And, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned sort of City's control. They just strangle teams with a possession style, but also with their press as well when they do have possession turned over. And we saw that midweek against Brentford, but we've seen it consistently now throughout the campaign. I think they've won 18 of the 24 Premier League games or something around that mark anyway. And more recently, it's 14 from 16 wins. But uh, what I would say is they haven't been as kind of domineering as potentially they can be, particularly away from home since Boxing Day. You look at the performance of those, they were held at Southampton, they struggled past both Arsenal and Brentford in away Premier League games over the sort of festive period as well. Um, so, you know, possibly a few chinks in the armour, potentially, uh, probably tr- clutching at straws a little bit, but uh, certainly this match, you'd expect them to produce something similar to what they did at Newcastle and on Watford, which was a pretty convincing, you know, not too flashy victory away from home. And um, yeah, I'm not going to have too much to say about this game, really. It's just based around Norwich. Um, so frustrating midweek to score so early against Crystal Palace and have the fans behind you and then sort of to to revert into a defensive shape and invite pressure on. If the goals were coming from Crystal Palace, the penalty obviously was missed, but Zaha, when he did score, you know, it wasn't a huge surprise that Palace made the, got a share of the spoils in that game. And you think of, of such a position of promise basically to pull yourselves out of the relegation zone and then to kind of blow it in the way in which they did was really disappointing they managed just five shots uh, at home to Crystal Palace and had uh, I think 28% of possession which is dreadful really the only goal the only shot on target they had was the goal within 40 seconds from Timu Puki. so uh, really powered a puff and if you look at their record so far this season particularly against the best teams it is dreadful uh, they've lost and failed to score in all eight against the top eight they've only scored once against the top half team so far this season and obviously uh, across the whole campaign they've scored what, 13 14 goals after 23 games which is abysmal by any standards even if there has been a few sort of improvements under Dean Smith so uh, I thought you know just don't complicate this really you expect Man City to win and are Norwich going to score against them well based on midweek and based across the whole campaign it it looks unlikely so uh, I thought five to six on Man City to win this match without conceding was the way to go. Yeah, Norwich have been very poor all season and you look at the quality of the squad and it looks well short of what's required. But Dean Smith giving it a good go. Let's go to Old Trafford then. Manchester United face a really tricky game against Southampton who was superb in that 3-2 comeback win at Tottenham in midweek. Jake, I find the Ralph Randnick situation really interesting because there are some United fans that would lead you to believe that it's been a complete and utter disaster under Rangnick. But actually, the numbers don't necessarily bear that out. They've only lost once in the league under Rangnick. They've only conceded multiple goals, I think, in one of the league games, which is that 2-2 draw against Villa. Yeah, I know the strength of schedule hasn't been, you know, that tough, but I think they've done okay. Um, Okay, yeah. I think that's probably where I put them as well. Uh, not setting the world alight, not looking as though they could be a serious contender for 
any cup competition or um, you know any title in the near future if they carry on in this manner. But they've, they've not been as bad as what perhaps the narrative suggests. I mean, we're recording this before Liverpool play against Leicester, but um, since Ranić took charge, only Man City have picked up more points than Man United in the Premier League this season. Uh, yeah, was it nine games he's overseen, I think. Um, yeah. But the the XG process has been it's. it's it's an improvement on the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer era, but as you said, the strength of schedule has been very, very kind. I don't think he could have asked for a, a better start in terms of games and fixtures. Um, they're averaging just 1.63 expected goals for per game under Randy, which, you know, compared to last season under Solskjaer, they were around 1.9. Um, and against is at 1.26, which is about the same rate as what they were last season under Solskjaer. So we, we've actually they've taken a backwards step from last season in general. Um and that process has them as only the sixth best team in the Premier League under Ranić since Ranić took over. So both Arsenal and Tottenham have a better XG process than Man United since Ranić was uh, as coming, and that's including the, the easy schedule. So you know, all in all, you know, you probably look at the schedule before he came in and thought they, I thought they could do a lot more, a lot better from an underlying number standpoint. So okay is probably about where I put them as well, Kevin, in terms of um, their sort of improvements, developments under Ranić. But this is a really tough game for them, you know, not only because Southampton are coming off the back of a really good win against Tottenham, but, you know, a lot. Probably, you're probably going to hear about pressing a lot in the build-up of this game because it's something that Ranić uh, has tried to implement wherever he's been. It's something that Hassan Hootl does quite it's vigorously. It's the Red Bull derby, this, isn't it, really? It, it, it is, yes. Um, and effectively, you've got a team in Manchester United who are still working on the minutiae of their pressing game, Um and which is why I was so, they've not been as successful as what many would expect. But you've got a Southampton team who are extremely organised with their press. It's a complete press. Everyone knows their job because Hassan Hootl's had it drilled into them. He's had the time to do that. He's brought in the players to do that. And everyone understands the press. Um, and it, it's, it is very intricate, Southampton's press. It's not an all-out blitz, which we've seen from you know Klopp when he first arrived in the Premier League. It's much more controlled uh, and much more trigger-based. So... I think that's going to be a fascinating battle just to watch in general, just to see how both teams sort of go up against the press. Um, I think it could be a game very, very heavy on tackles, if you like a, a prop bet in the tackles market. But just as a result, I can't be having Manchester United at these prices. They, they're just too short to back. They've not shown enough, not shown me enough anyway, to for me to part money with them at you know around 1.2 prices. It's just way too short. And I was really surprised, pleasantly so, to see... Southampton plus one Asian handicap trading at around 1.87. Now, that basically means that if Southampton avoid defeat, we get a winner. If they lose by exactly one goal, we get our money back. And Manchester United, given the attacking struggles they've had, it's really difficult to see them going and winning this game quite comfortably by a two-goal margin or more. Um, I expect Southampton to at least get on the score sheet here as well, um, which makes this bet even more interesting because then United would need three. So, um, fascinating encounter. I'm glad it's on telly. I'm really looking forward to watching it because it should be a really hectic, chaotic game um, with the ball effectively being like a hot potato. He's a good boy, Jake. He doesn't do the illegal streams. It has to be on telly <laughs> for him yeah, to watch yeah, the yeah. game. Quite right, too. Uh, Emmett, United are 1.63 in the match odds market here. That does, as Jake says, seem a bit divorced from the current reality when you think that Southampton have won at Spurs, they've won at West Ham. They've looked really good recently. 
yeah, possibly is more of a kind of a, a kind of a projection on what the kind of market th- th- thinks United will, will, will become. I kind of yeah, it's I, I I kind of echo what Jake said there. I think you know you know it's been it's been okay under Hasenhutl, but I do feel like things are possibly heading in the right direction, and it's kind of a it's a basic enough point to make. But I, I think it's it's hard to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being as strong with Cristiano Ronaldo as Hasenhutl has. But I think that is that is certainly a positive sign, and having at least kind of a horses for courses attitude towards that, I think is I think I think is is, is far more positive and a step in the right direction. Well, somebody needed to do yeah. that, Emmett, didn't they? Because... Exactly. Ronaldo is a top player, but if he's gonna, you know, if if he's not gonna fit into what Rangnick wants to do in every game, you can't play him. I think so. I think that's the thing about having a gun established manager. Ralph Rangnick, if he leaves Mainau tomorrow, his legacy is set. He's been a kind of a pioneer of German football and he's he's, he's achieved a huge amount in the game. Whereas there was the sense of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he was kind of like, if he left United, where would he go then? And so that he did, he just, he didn't have the leverage, I feel like, to kind of, to, to, to be as strong, uh, to, to be as strong as strong as Rangnick has. I think, I think this, this is a really compelling game though. I think there is a bit of value in the kind of goals markets. I think both teams just scores actually clicked in nine of Stampton's last 10 matches. I think, I think even though we saw a couple of clean sheets early in Rangnick's reign, I still think this United defence can't be trusted. I'm like, as a United fan, I'm, I'm sick of watching Harry Maguire play this badly, given the price we paid to him. And if you look at the comparable price that um, Liverpool paid for Virgil van Dijk and Man City paid for Ruben Diaz, it's clear who got the worst value out of those three players. Um, and I just, I'll, I'll just a touch on Stampton as well. I think actually Aston Hootel's a contender for manager of the season. Like in the summer, they saw Danny Ings and Yannick Vestergaard. And when that happened, I thought they were a strong candidate for relegation. Like outside of maybe James Ward-Prowse, Oriel Romeo, maybe Kyle Walker-Peters, this is a team of very little proven Premier League quality. I think the way Aston Hootel's kind of moulded a system based around young players and loanees like Broia yeah, and then Levermento from Chelsea has been exceptional. I think, I think for them to be a solid Premier League team, is a really a really strong performance of Aston Hootel. Yeah, I'd thoroughly agree with that. So now we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sports book, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Now Brentford are dropping like a stone. They've lost their last six competitive games. Jake, they've got Palace this weekend. Neither of these teams is safe. Uh, they're not, no, but I think Brentford's run of form would have to continue for a little while longer for me to believe that they could um, ultimately go down because particularly at home, while they haven't got the results, I think they, they're ranked 15th based on points collected at home. Their performances have been excellent. I mean, there's only five teams in the league that have picked up more expected points at home than Brentford with their XG process of 1.64 expected goals for and 1.08 expected goals against, like one of the best in the league. So at the Brentford Munich Stadium, they are really, really strong, uh, and they're just unfortunate that they haven't got better results to show from really good performances. I mean, you is think that a lack to... of finishing quality, Jake? Because I know there's a lot of fuss about Ivan Tony, but he's not proven at this level, and he's not set the world to light. They don't really have top quality at the top end of the pitch, do they? Um, I, I don't. I don't. I think that's a little bit harsh in terms of the, the quality. I, I do think that the players that they have up there are more than good enough to, to score in this in this league. And obviously they are. They're getting on the end of chances, which is the main thing that we look for when we're looking at the season-long uh, data. Uh, I think it's been more defensively where they've actually had issues. They've been conceding more goals than the chances would suggest. Um, and that that is a little bit concerning. I know that the goalkeeper... 
Uh, is it David Raya that's been, he's been injured? He he was really good at the start of the season, and, and I think is it Jonas Lossell that's playing the net currently. <laughs> Jonas um, Lossell's amazing. I'd love to, I'd love to have his agent. I tell you, <laughs> what an extraordinary <laughs> career that man's had. Yeah, he, you know he's walked into the into the number one spot effectively with the injury to Raya. So uh, there are a few concerns there, but overall the XG process that they're putting on, if they maintain that, then the results at home will massively improve and will improve quickly. And that should be enough to steer them um, to safety. And I think this is a really good game for that to happen because Palace away from home have been one of the worst teams in the league. At Selhurst Park, I think only four teams have got a better XG process. So at home home games, away from home, they rank as the fifth worst uh, team based on XG process. Uh, How do you explain point- that, Jake? Because they're a t- they've got quite a set way of playing, haven't they, with Vieira? He wants to keep possession. He wants to build from the back. Why does that all fall apart away from home? Um, I'm not too sure. I think the, the, the numbers are a little bit skewed because of a couple of beatdowns to the better teams. And in Liverpool, I think they put three, three and a half. Yeah, they lost three nil at Anfield, I think, yeah. Um, Chelsea, I think they won the XG battle by around one, so that adds up. I think the only game they actually were really competitive away from them was actually at the Etihad, Manchester City, which is a bit surprising. Um, but I do wonder if, well, I, I honest, personally don't watch Crystal Palace a lot when they're um, not on the telly, as you know, I don't watch illegal streams. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, they, when you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was something as simple as that when they are away from home, they do take a little bit more of a negative approach and sit back and concede possession a little bit more which then allows more shots on goal um, you know obviously the game state dictated that they had to go and attack Norwich in midweek because they went down uh, one nil really early but even so they only managed to create 0.6 non-penalty expected goals in that game against one of the worst defences in the league so really strange as to what's happening there but overall when they are playing away from home they do struggle to create chances they're averaging less than one expected goal for per game um, and in terms of defence, they're allowing nearly 1.7 expected goals against per game. So, on paper, this is a really good opportunity for Brentford to snap that win, uh, that losing streak. Um, just for a little bit of security, though, I don't, I don't know if I can back Brentford just to go win this game because there is so much unpredictability around Brentford and and Crystal Palace because we know that they've got some really good individual quality. So, looking at Brentford plus naught on the Asian handicap, which is around 1.9, which is effectively a draw, no bet. So. If the game ends all square, we get our money back. If Brentford win, we get a winner at around 1.9. Um, the only way it loses is if Crystal Palace actually go to Brentford and win, which, looking at the figures, the numbers, seems very unlikely if Brentford, uh, if you know both teams play to what the levels have been so far this season. Let's start our European jaunt in Spain. Out of form, Atletico Madrid face a derby against Hitafe, who have hugely improved, actually, under Kike Sanchez-Flores. Mark, this is an interesting one because... The market's got Atleti at 1.46 to win. I can understand why that might be the case. But is there scope to oppose them here somehow? Yeah, I think there is, yeah. Um, it's been a poor La Liga season, it has to be said. Uh, have Real Madrid six points clear at the top and, and not really be anything to write home about is is probably telling something about the league. But to have defending champions Atletico 17 points off the pace, now in a serious battle just to get in the top four, kind of shows you where the league has gone, really, and they were beaten 4-2 at Barcelona last weekend. It was the seventh game in eight in La Liga in which Atleti had conceded multiple goals. Uh, and across the whole season, they've only managed seven clean sheets, um, You know, both really kind of unheard-of numbers in the Diego Simeone era. Uh, they've got the worst defence in the top half of the division, 
massively falling below market expectations and their own underlying numbers as well. So uh, the positive you can take from the defeat against Barcelona was the fact that Savic and Jimenez were back on the field together at centre-half. They haven't had those two playing together often enough, really. Um, so they should be better having those two there. But even still, um, I don't expect them to, to walk over Getafe. Far from it, really. Uh, this is a banana skin game. You mentioned a, a Madrid derby. It's normally pretty feisty between these two, too. Um, and I think Getafe, as you say, are, are absolutely flying at the moment. It's, it's remarkable considering they're only five points off the top half for a team that started the season with seven straight defeats and were winless after 11 games. Kike uh, Sanchez Flores has done an incredible job there. Uh, he started off by effectively building from the back, going back to all the principles that Getafe have done in the past, which is be difficult to beat, be ugly, be physical, be organised, and just be direct and, and uncompromising. And they started to get some decent results playing that way, but more recently he's released the shackles. They're playing with freedom, but playing with confidence. And I know it's only Levante, but they absolutely wiped the floor with them last Friday night. It was really, really impressive. And they've now just lost three La Liga games since September, um, which is really impressive. If you look at the, the last eight, the last 12 game splits, Getafe are, are featuring the top eight in terms of expected points. Uh, they've kept seven clean sheets in the last 10 and they're creating opportunities now as well. So uh, they've produced some really good performances against the better teams of late. Uh, beat Madrid, held Sociedad home and away, lost by one goal margins to Villarreal and Sevilla as well. And across the whole season, they've lost by two goals or more uh, just three times. And you compare that to Atleti, They've actually won by two or more goals, just four occasions in La Liga this season. And Atleti are getting a 1.25 Asian handicap hurdle here. Um, I find it very difficult to support Atleti overcoming that. So I'm happy to side with the underdogs. Getafe plus one and a quarter on the Asian handicap on the exchange, around 1.8. Uh, basically gets paid out if Getafe win or draw uh, with a half stakes profit. If uh, Getafe lose by exactly one goal, the only way in which you lose your stake is if Atletico win this match by two or more goals and you know if you bear in mind that they actually won the league last year the last five games between these two Atleti haven't won by at least two goals in any of them so uh, there's precedent there and I think Getafe can make it difficult for I them. read an extraordinary stat the other day that Jan Oblek's save percentage has gone down to about 44% given the fact that I think over the past few years he's been one of the best goalkeepers on the planet that really does tell you uh, just how much Atleti have been struggling to Germany then two European contenders do battle on Friday night. I'll be on the mic for this one, actually. Uh, Köln visiting RB Leipzig. Uh, Emmett, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I think this, this is interesting for a few reasons. No actual tip of the game, but it's more. I think I think it just the, it just the market in this the match the match price in this game tell you how, how well Leipzig are rated by the markets. Like after 21 games in the Bundesliga, Leipzig are one point one point behind FC Köln in the table. Yet Leipzig are four to nine to win this match. Yeah, and, and yet that is because Leipzig are by far the by far a better team than their bare results suggest. As a quick glance at the Bundesliga XG table and Infogol will tell you, with Leipzig Leipzig are rated as the second best team in the Bundesliga by that metric, and they've really improved since uh, Dominico Tedesco took over as head coach of Jesse March. They've won three of their since the winter break. They've won three of their four Bundesliga matches by two goals or more, and then the other match probably possibly even better performance in an extremely competitive when they were extremely competitive in a narrow defeat at the Allianz Arena. 
all of which I would say makes them really extremely interesting betting proposition for the Europa League, given that they are twice Brushy Dortmund's price in the outright market. At our, at, at, at they're currently around 14 to 1 in the exchange. And obviously, Dortmund have a far easier lack 16 tie against Rangers, whereas Leipzig up against Real Sociedad. But even still, I think if, if Dortmund and Leipzig played in a neutral pitch, I think the qualify odds would be pretty close to, close to even. And given that, I, I think there's, there's certainly a bit of value in the outright market. The only thing I would say, I haven't had a bet yet. Just There is a history in Germany from listening to Raphael Honigstein in the past of possibly the Europa League competition not being taken that seriously. And also Leipzig obviously will be in a race for race of the Champions League places so but if if, if you I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see what kind of Tedesco's comments in midweek and if they play a full side against Sociedad and they take the competition seriously I think they have a serious chance at uh, Europa League glory this season. Well I think the interesting thing about Leipzig is actually one of the reasons I thought they might be at a good outside bet for the title this season is because they've got an incredibly deep squad if you look at the the breadth of quality they have in all areas They've actually got the resources, so there's no reason, even if he does make several changes between the Bundesliga side and the Europa League side, there's absolutely no reason why there should be a big quality drop uh, between those. I think the simple thing with Leipzig was Jesse Marsh got there and they'd got used to quite a nuanced way of approaching games under Julian Nagelsmann, who's genius. And then Jesse Marsh arrived and was kind of like, hey guys, and wanted to kind of go back to this up-and-atom basics approach and the players just didn't have it they just went this is rubbish we don't want to play this football and so they kind of struggled on for a bit but in the end it was just an impossibly bad fit and so I think Tedesco has got there has kind of made more of the players that he has available and I think you might be right I think they can get past Real Sociedad over two legs I'd expect them to actually over the two legs and then who knows? So I think that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. You also have a fancy Emmett in the championship, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll keep it fairly simple here. It's uh, QPR to beat Barnsley. Yeah, there was a, there's going to be no... Uh, People might know that Billy Bean has kind of an involvement uh, with with Barnsley, uh, the star of the kind of the Moneyball book and movie. There's not going to at the moment. There's going to be no sequel to Moneyball with Barnsley. <laughs> uh, Barnsley are really are a terrible team. They've they've ten losses and three draws in, in their last thirteen matches. And looking at the stats, they haven't been particularly unlucky in that run either. They're clearly the championship's worst team, and I'm more than happy to take close to even money on a solid playoff contender like QPR to 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 to, to beat them away from home here. Lovely stuff. Nice and simple. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a feature so famous that before creating his iconic Star Wars character, Boba Fett, George Lucas originally called him Akabet, only for studio bosses to overrule him. Uh, worth bearing in mind, uh, by the way, there's a huge women's Super League game coming up on Friday. We're going to talk about that in just a little while. But first, how the podcast trouble works is that each of the three guys come up with a selection from the weekend's action and lovely traders like Emmett uh, wrap it up in a boosted treble for us. Emmett, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, so I'll 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 I'll, 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 go, I'll go one of my earlier tips. I think both both teams to score in mine out of East Hampton, I think is is a banker for all Akas Akas this weekend. So that that looks like a solid first leg first leg of our team letter. Uh, Jake always worries about who goes first and whose tip is where in the weekend. So I'm going to make him sweat for a bit, and I'm going to go for Marco Hare. Mark's going to go the same as what I was going to go. I reckon. 
You reckon? Yeah. Uh, I'll take both teams to score in uh, Leicester versus West Ham oh, on yes. Sunday. That's great news. Oh, relief for uh, Jake. So what, yeah, what are you bringing time. us home with? I'm just going to... Mark, did you get the Boba Fett reference? No, of no, course I didn't. didn't think so. Just double-checking. <laughs> you never know. You might have watched it. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> no idea. That would have shaken the very core of my world if Mark O'Hare had said, oh, yeah, I got that reference, yeah. One of these weeks, Kev. One of these weeks. Um, yeah, both teams to score hat-trick. Uh, in, I'm going to go with Everton Leeds for all the reasons we mentioned above. Defensively, these teams are just, yeah, they're all over the shop. And, uh, and you know, attack is the best form of defence for both. So, goals. So we're going for goals this weekend. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Now, I did mention that big women's Super League game on Friday night. Chelsea up against Arsenal. We're going to have a dedicated preview, or we do have a dedicated preview, on betting.betfair.com. So check that out. And we have bet builder options for the game on the sportsbook as well. So definitely worth checking that out. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. Loads of other shows on the Betfair network. There's the little matter of the Super Bowl coming up. So we've got NFL only better. We've got cricket only better. Three racing shows. Imagine that. Three racing shows. The Wadian podcast, racing only better. And the new Cheltenham Rawcast, which looks ahead to the festival, which is coming up pretty soon. From Jake, from Emmett, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.